The greatest fruit I want for you in 2019 is yourself, for you to get yourself back. Because when you get yourself back, not even the sky will be the limit. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, we start part one of the Results Not Resolution series for 2019 with no other than Dr. Tama Bryant. She says that we must stop suffering in silence. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Happy New Year, Purpose Chasers, my OG listeners, and even to our new listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am super excited. This is the first episode of 2019. This is the first of 52 episodes that will be coming your way, and Just by the interviews I already have recorded, I'm telling you guys, 2019 is going to be our year. Last week, the episode that came out was Who Are You Becoming? And we talked about not just knowing what you want, but understanding who you have to be in the process. And this year, I am really dedicated to making sure that between my solo episodes and the guest interviews, that you get to see attributes of who you need to become, right? In order to achieve everything that you are saying you want for this year. So if you haven't subscribed, I'm going to tell you now, you'll see in just a second because Dr. Tama is no joke, but I'm going to tell you now, you want to subscribe, you want to tune in and you want to make redefining wealth a part of your life. These are the types of things that you want to make a part of your DNA. I'm telling you, I read the emails every week. I need to start reading them actually on the podcast. I think that would be good. But I read the emails and the DMs and the way people are just growing and shifting and changing. I mean, people are earning more, ditching negative relationships and just improving their lives in so many ways. And I'm so grateful that I get to be a part of that. Before I jump into this week's episode, I also want to just thank so many of you for reaching out. Over the weekend, found out when I got back in town that my mom had taken a very hard fall and broke several bones and needed major surgery. And so many of you have reached out just by the little snippet I put in, you know, my Insta stories and offered prayers and offered inspiration and reminded me to take care of myself and get rest in the midst of, you know, taking care of her. And I just appreciate you guys so, so much. And I'm telling you, the way that I've been able to show up for my mom and my family just in this season is a byproduct of the work that we do here on Redefining Wealth. Because I would have been so guilty of trying to control everything and manipulate outcomes to be how I wanted them. People, everyone needed to fall in line, how Patrice says, you know, I'm bossy. (laughs) And because of episodes like people want to support you, because of episodes like who are you becoming? Because of episodes about boundaries being necessities, I showed up in a way that I don't know that I would have a year ago. And I think that for many of you, when you start to look at the different crises that happen in your life or any moments that can end up being chaotic and you see how you've adapted such behaviors that allow you to approach it with peace and grace and ease, I believe that it's a product of or a byproduct of the work that we do here at Redefining Wealth. And so I feel just this sense of gratitude. 
it's gratitude to you guys, because if you didn't keep listening, if you didn't keep supporting, that I would have no incentive to keep going. And so I always say this is kind of like my open accountability. And I just want you to know that in the midst of all of this, I have made sure because I know that my presence is an influence. And if I say that this is something we should be doing, I have to live it. Right. And so even though you're not here physically with me in Torrance, California, at the hospital with my mom, you are with me because I carry you guys in my spirit and I appreciate you so much. And I felt the love. I felt the support. Thank you for all the messages. And I'm just super excited to see how 2019 pans out. We don't always get things the way that we want. I didn't think I would leave 2018, you know, sitting in the hospital with my mom. And I didn't think I would start 2019 in this way, but I am super grateful in spite of and always fighting for the lesson and the blessing. So I appreciate you guys and just know that as much as you're doing the hard work out there, I am too. So let me tell you, we talked last week about who are you becoming? And it was really about not just knowing what you want, but also understanding who you have to become in the process. And so the Results Not Resolution series this year for 2019 is really dedicated each week for the next six weeks. I'm going to be talking about who are you becoming through these guest interviews. And today, oh my gosh, man, I couldn't have kicked this series off this year with a better person. Brandy Harvey put it down last year for the 2018 version. And Dr. Tama Bryant is about to do the same. If you don't have a notepad or a phone or something near you, if you're driving or on the treadmill, keep doing your thing. But trust me, you're going to want to listen to this again and get all of these jewels because I know that the community that I serve is pretty high functioning. Many of you are very high achievers and you've accomplished a lot and you've done a lot. And this is really about in spite of your resume, understanding that you still might have to heal in some other areas in your life and you cannot continue to suffer in silence if you are going to get everything that is destined for you in 2019. And I just couldn't have invited a better person. Let me introduce you to Dr. Tama. Dr. Tama Bryant Davis is a licensed psychologist, ordained minister, and sacred artist who has worked nationally and globally to provide relief and empowerment to marginalized persons. Dr. Tama is a professor at Pepperdine University and a past president of the Society for the Psychology of Women. She earned her doctorate from Duke University, completed her postdoctoral training at Harvard Medical Center, and is a past American Psychological Association representative to the United Nations. She served as a mental health media consultant for numerous, numerous media outlets. But currently, you probably have seen her on the OWN Network show, Chad Loves Michelle. Without further ado, here's my, man, amazing conversation with Dr. Tama Bryant. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Dr. Tama. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be with you and all of your sisters. Now, listen, I'm talking schoolgirl giddy. That's how excited (laughs) I was this morning. I woke up as tired as I was. I did a VIP day yesterday with a client and was at it all day and been recording and traveling and doing all this stuff. So I could have, I should have been sleeping, but that (laughs) excitement Mm. out of my sleep at 3 a.m. And it's not as if I hadn't already been stalking you since the day I met you. Oh, 
Now, I have to tell you, I think I told you. So let me set the stage for everyone. Dr. Tamer and I met at an event called Black Women's Network in Los Angeles this past fall. And we got to sit next to each other on the stage. There was a luncheon (laughs) and five to 600 Black women and just incredible energy. And you were the opener and I ended up closing, but I I can't lie. Let me tell you something. There was so much power in every word that you spoke that I really could have left with you because you had to leave early. I should have left with you. I was done. (laughs) I was like, they don't need to hear me. We're done. No, thanks. But you know what? I'm so glad that they had you because the financial piece often we don't get. You know, when we go to women's conferences, women's retreats, women's empowerment, often the financial part we don't even talk about. So I am so thankful for your work and your ministry because we need it. Well, it's so crazy though, because as you were talking, I just kept nodding my head. I mean, I look back at the video clip. Now, you know, it's real. If you hold your hand up to take a video of someone for 12 straight minutes, when I tell you my hand did not waver, (laughs) the only thing that you hear me saying is, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, yes, come on, Lord. Like that is literally what I kept saying because- I mean, it was so powerful. And and the thing that stood out to me the most, and this is really why I invited you to kick off the year with Redefining Wealth, kick off this series of results, not resolutions, is because you spoke, what I heard at the end of the day Mm -hmm. was that just us as women in particular cannot keep trying to go at this alone, right? That you said something, it was your great-grandmother sent me to remind you of who you are. Mm-hmm. Said, Let the last time you cried yourself to sleep be the last time. Mm-hmm. Let the last time you lose your appetite over a man be the last time. Well, you know, we lost it on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the last time, yeah. The last time. Like there were so many things that you said that just reminded me of how much we, especially as high-achieving, driven, ambitious mm-hmm. women tend to suffer in silence. Yes. And my desire for this year is that, you know, at Redefining Wealth, our first pillar is about being fit. And it's not just physically fit. It's understanding Mm -hmm. that you have to be mentally fit. If you are going to truly walk into the wealth that I believe God has for you, you may have to deal with some of the trauma of your childhood or any of these different things that impact us. And as high achieving women, we usually tend to think Dr. Tama, and I know that you can speak to this much more than I can, but I believe that a lot of us who are high functioning means that it's okay Mm -hmm. not to go get the healing that Mm -hmm. we need to go with that. Can you just talk about what your experiences in just working with women? Yeah, absolutely. So I am so glad, first of all, that you all are tuned into this podcast because it means you want better. And when we want better for ourselves, we resist settling, even though the world may look at you and call you a success, you know that there is more possible for you and within you, but we have to address those blocks. And that's what you were just speaking about, the difference between functioning and being whole and well and thriving. And the thing I had to discover, not only professionally as a psychologist, but personally within myself, that busy does not mean heal that busy does not mean whole. And a lot of us trick people because you have a fancy resume and have accomplished a lot from the world standards, but you know that a part of the busyness can be 
a feeling of being unworthy, a feeling of not being enough. And there's a difference between being motivated and being driven by insecurity. And so when we as women can't be still, can't be silent, cannot tolerate our own company, then we know we really are not healed. And so sometimes the busyness is us running from memories, us running from disappointment, us running from shame, and we can even trick ourselves into believing we're okay. And if we're church women, we can trick ourselves with this language of blessed and highly favored, blessed and highly favored. But at the midnight hour, you feel lonely, you feel unfulfilled, you feel disconnected, you feel disappointed and there is healing that is available, but we have to dare to make our wellness a priority that the greatest fruit I want for you in 2019 is yourself for you to get yourself back. Because when you get yourself back, not even the sky will be the limit. If you can imagine everything we've accomplished while we're carrying our wounds, If you can imagine everything you've accomplished with all that shame you have, just try to imagine what you could do if you weren't carrying the wounds and the insecurities of yesterday. I mean, it would be mind boggling. And so I say we get to the place where we will settle for nothing less than our best. And Eve Insler, who did the vagina monologue, she said, we spend so much time avoiding healing from the things that happened in our past that we don't ever fully get to manifesting, creating, writing, and building because we have all this stuff, these unattended wounds that we're carrying. And so let this be the year that you don't just set outward resolutions, but if we want results, as, as you all have been saying for this year, you want results, the first result has to be with you. And if I make my wellness a priority, then I have to stop running from stuff and face it head on because I can't fix it if I won't face it. Mm. Oh my gosh, you just said it. Okay, we're done. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know, I was just talking with some family members, women over the holidays and this conversation came up and I felt this resistance, as you're saying, of this avoidance of healing. Yes. We were going back and forth and I was saying essentially what you said, like, I know that in spite of the childhood trauma, you have persevered, you have created amazing results for yourself here. Like, Mm-hmm. Yes, they didn't expect you to do this and look at where you are. Oh my gosh. But at this end of the day, I know that the little girl in you is mm-hmm. still hurt yeah. and still traumatized. And you cannot tell me that in some form or fashion that does not impact you mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Maybe it's not conscious to you, mm-hmm. but even on a subconscious level, it is impacting your relationships, yes. how you interact with your children, how you may interact with your mm-hmm. significant other. And how you treat yourself. It has to. It has to. Why do we avoid healing? Because we have been taught and raised by people who did not have the luxury of healing. We were raised by people who were in survival mode. And the focus was just getting us through school or getting the bills covered or trying to work hard enough to tuck some money away and not recognizing the impact of the unhealed wounds. And so it shows up in us being controlling. 
It shows up in us being harsh with ourselves and others. It shows up in what we eat. It shows up in our sleeping patterns. It shows up in our challenges with intimacy, both physical intimacy and emotional intimacy. It shows up even in how we approach God or don't approach God because we are not really at home within ourselves. So we can usually see it in other people. All of us have encountered a woman who was successful from a distance. And when you got up close to her, you could see her stuff. The problem is she often can't see it herself. So you don't want people to say the same thing about you of like, wow, yeah, she seems really impressive, but you go talk to her and it won't take long for the stuff to show up. And so you don't want your wounds to pollute your gift and they will do it if they are unhealed. You don't want your wounds to pollute your gift. Yes. Because you're gifted, we're talented, we're brilliant, and then you can wonder, how come I can never keep a friend? How come I can never really relate to people? How come people don't want to return my phone call? How come everybody loads me with lots of work, but nobody is there for me? So what we want to do is pay attention to the patterns, because when you're not getting results in your life, when you are stuck, then you want to start to be aware of the ways you are participating in your own oppression. There are ways that we learn how to function that allow us to get through difficult circumstances, but they can stifle us when it comes to growing, to thriving, to being authentic. And so we have to come out of survival mode so that we can thrive. You know, in my own life, one of the things that I learned is that because I grew up with a single mother and single grandmother, when I got married, Dr. Tama. I was still used to being a strong, independent Black woman. Like, I didn't understand anything else because the women who raised me, who were phenomenal, but they, as you said, they had to survive. They were very, you know, concerned with very specific things. And so even when Mm -hmm. I had this man come into my life who wanted to love me, wanted to provide, wanted to take Mm -hmm. care, I was still, Mm -hmm. not without saying it, my attitude, I could tell now, was very like, I mean, I don't need you, need you. (laughs) Yes. Right. I I would not even know how to ask for help with my daughter. It was Mm -hmm. was hard for me to learn how to get his help because I was used to people making it happen. And even when I didn't have to put that level of stress on myself to make it happen, I was just on automatic. That's what I knew. Right. Absolutely. We can associate needing or wanting or receiving help as being weak. And we have this idea of needing to be the superwoman and having it all together. And I remember I was presenting somewhere and I didn't, my sitter couldn't show up. So I had my baby with me and there was a lady who said, oh, I'll watch him for you. And I said, I got it. It was so stupid. It was so ridiculous. I got it. You don't have it. You're supposed to be doing a workshop. (laughs) But we are just trained to be like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm wonderful. And by the time we get to the place of honesty, it's often not until everything has fallen apart. Mm -hmm. And that's why we don't want to wait. It's like the same with our physical health is we avoid going. And then by the time we go, it's often very late in the process. So then we don't have the same access to interventions because it's not an early intervention. Mm -hmm. And the same is true in our mental health. 
if we keep claiming we have it and denying our anxiety or our depression or our grief. And so by the time we often are to the place where we're willing to accept help, there have been a lot more disasters that could have been prevented if we had been honest about where we were. Mm -hmm. You know, so you are the therapist on the show Chat Loves Michelle. And Michelle Williams, if you guys remember from Destiny's Child, the show was on OWN. And so once I, you know, got to meet you one-on-one at the event and then start stalking your Instagram, I saw you were on that show. I had no idea because I'm not a big TV person, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. (laughs) And so I've been watching clips and one of the clips that really stands out to me, and if you guys don't know a little backstory, there was this big thing about Michelle checking herself into a mental health facility, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And getting the support that she needs. And I applaud that so much Mm -hmm. that someone with such notoriety, right, who obviously people are going to recognize you and the rumors will start and the buzz is out there. But she took ownership for herself. Like, I didn't try to commit any suicide, but these are the thoughts that I was thinking. I was mm-hmm. so happy about that. But you're the therapist in terms of their their whole couple, you know, their premarital counseling, it looks like. And something that she said in a clip that I saw really stood out to me. She was talking about the fact that her mother, she didn't ever feel like she was verbally abused, but her mother was like quick at the tongue. And mm-hmm. her mother was quick to read people. And so now she's picked up on some of that. And clearly... Yeah. Chad is not really feeling all of that, right? Like that harsh that would be correct. And so I know as a woman, you know, as a married woman now, almost 11 years, trust me, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I definitely get mm-hmm. that because my grandma was no joke and quick at the tongue. And so I picked up on a lot of the great stuff, but also some of the things that, again, there were no men in the mm-hmm. picture. So I didn't realize that that's not how you talk to people, Dr. Tama, that mm-hmm. they're not really going for yeah. that one. My husband had to get me together real quick on that. But what you said, I thought was so powerful. You said that that could be an expression of her depression, that irritability Mm -hmm. and anger. But that's another thing. We think that like, I mean, I'm just real and I'm just going to let you know Mm -hmm. what it is when really could that be a mask for something else? Absolutely. When we are in that irritable place where everybody gets on your nerves quickly, over small stuff, I mean, little things, and you get to level 10, the issue is not really what you're calling the issue. The issue is you're already miserable. So that's why little things can set you off because you're already in a miserable place. And so if we can own that, then we can address what are you really mad about? Because what you're responding to does not match. And so we have to start to have kind of a gradient where you can see what I what I like to say is not everything is drama worthy. And when you start going off over little things, then the message you send your partner or your children or your friends is that it is impossible to please you. So why try? Uh-huh. So that's why people shut down. And that's why they avoid you because you're going to be mad anyway, right? Oh, mama's yelling again. She's always yelling. Right. Or she mad again. She's mad every day. So then you're not getting the results you want because there is no variety in your script. And so you want your affirmations to outnumber your complaints by far. Mm -hmm. 
And many of us were raised to only pick out what's bad. And in schools, they've even learned in my children's school, they have something called caught being good. Because if the only time a child gets attention is when you're fussing at them, then some of them will act out just so you pay attention to them. Uh So it's to notice you know, when did your partner, your spouse, your child, your coworker, even your supervisor, when did they get something right? And some of us are so uncomfortable with that, we call it being fake. When you equate being nice with being phony, then something is wrong. So the only thing is that's real is mean. How is that authentic, right? <laughs> so it's like, if I'm being mean, I'm being real. So where's the nice part, right? Where's the goodness? Is there nothing praiseworthy happening in your life? And so we have to be aware that, especially for Black women, we have often been given the message that sadness or depression is weakness, but it's culturally acceptable for us to be angry or for us to be bitter. And it's not for us to to just blame ourselves, but to get at the root of it, that that's not actually you, that's your symptoms. Right. Some people always had their face screwed up and they say, that's just that's just me. That's not you. That's the result of the life you've lived. But you don't have to be that. And so making a distinction between my identity and my symptoms. Oh, that's good. My pastor always says, you're probably not as mean as you look. You're probably, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> he said, some of y'all just walk around with this look on your face. Right. And I don't even know, oh, realize how off putting it yeah. is. But you're probably. Yeah. At your core, deep, deep down, a nice person. But at this point, you're carrying around so much Mm -hmm. unhealed wounds or trauma. You are coming off as if you're just the meanest person in the world. And really, you might just be a hurt person. Yes. So one of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder is what they call hypervigilance. So being super guarded. And that's how some of us are. We are because of real things that happen that we're not good. You get to that place of I don't trust anybody. And you'll say, God is my only friend. I don't trust anybody. That's not healthy. It's not healthy. And so, yes, there are perpetrators. Yes, there are deceivers. Yes, there are manipulators. But when we get the idea that that's everybody, we miss out on a lot of good things. And so instead working to sharpen our discernment so we can start to distinguish who are the people who are trustworthy, who could actually be a good friend. Yeah. So it shows up possibly as irritability or anger. What are some other telltale signs that someone may be suffering in silence? Right. That they may not even be aware of it. So along with traditional way it shows up is what we call depressed mood, but for weeks. So if you just had a bad day, that's sadness, right? Mm-hmm. But when we talk about clinical depression, that lasts longer. When we're talking about two weeks and you're still in that place, or um, it can also show up with affecting your appetite. Some people will lose their appetite, as I was talking about in that speech. But then for some of us, we do the emotional eating, where the reality is you're not really hungry, you're unfulfilled. And when I am unfulfilled, I keep stuffing myself and it's never enough. So instead of naming the loneliness, I'm just eating ice cream. 
instead of naming the disappointment that I'm eating a box of chicken, right? But it's like, what are you really feeling? And we're not in touch with our feelings. So looking at your relationship with food, we have like comfort food. And if you're constantly in a place of despair, then we know how that's going to show up even in our body temple. It can affect our sleep where either we cannot sleep or we can't wake up. It can show up in what they call a motor retardation, which is just slow moving. So it's hard for you to get out of the bed. It's hard for you to get out of the house. It's hard for you. Um, you're fighting yourself just to get to work and really having compassion because for someone who's depressed, just showing up is an achievement, right? It's an accomplishment. Another symptom is that the things we used to enjoy, we don't enjoy anymore. And that can be really hard because those could be like your go-to things of like, I used to always love going with my friends and going to get something to eat, or I would love doing this, or and now it's just not moving you. And so the loss of pleasure and in the sense of hopelessness, and that's when you start to get to that place of suicidality where you're thinking things will never be any better than they are right now, right? When you get to that place of being suicidal is you can't even imagine hope that things could get better. Now, I will say that culturally, some of us, either by our culture or religion, have some barriers to actively thinking about suicide. But there is also something called passive suicidality, where you do things that put yourself at risk because you wouldn't mind not being here. So driving around without a seatbelt on, having unprotected sex with strangers or people you barely know, that's passive suicidality. We're like, uh, you know, if it happened, it happened. If I'm out of here, I'm out of here. It doesn't really matter. So you want to pay attention to, are you really guarding, valuing your own life and your future? Oh, wow. I've never mm-hmm. heard of that or even thought of that, but that is so yeah. powerful to just think about that passive idea. Mm-hmm. It's true when you, even when you see stories like in social media, you know, amongst my friends or, you know, the hair shop talk or whatever, you hear people go, mm-hmm. why would you do that in 2018? Mm-hmm. Why would you be, you right. know, what's this? Yes. Yes. And right. wow, when you, when you carry around that idea of like, if I make it, I make it. Or if, if I still, if I'm still here, God must want me here then. If not, he'll right. take it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you're trying to help him along a little bit without being super active about it, but you are participating in your destruction because you're in that place of, I just don't care and you can feel numb. Wow. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure then that shows up as just plain self-sabotage in so many areas. Absolutely. No. So we sabotage relationships, we sabotage our health, you know, where we have diabetes, but we still want the third piece of cake. It shows mm-hmm. up. And so when we say we, we're setting these solutions and we're not seeing the results, Some of these are symptoms of our distress and our wounds. So in order to not just change, we have to actually heal, right? When we don't actually heal, it's when people stop smoking and instead they'll start overeating, Uh right? So just changing behaviors, but you're not really whole. Mm, That's good. One of the things you talked about at Black Women's Network I think it was the first point. It was about knowing whose voice to listen to. You talked about silencing the voices and how sometimes, you know, when you're on this path that 
you can hear different things from voices inside or outside of your family, but you have to know who to listen to. Can you tell us that quick story about Esther and how she, I hope you remember what I'm referencing because that was such a juicy nugget about who to listen to in the midst of all the noise out there. Certainly. So there's a story in the Bible, it's actually in, also in the Torah about Esther and Esther was an orphan and she was Jewish at a, a time and place where there was a lot of anti-Semitism. So based on all of that, she would not have been predicted to be a big success. But her uncle, who was raising her, knew there was a competition for the queen, for a new queen, and he told her she needed to enter into that competition. And so I was making the point that based on our last name, how much money we have, being African-American, being a woman, that people can do all of these predictions of your failure. There can be a lot of doomsday reports that are in part based in reality because we know oppression, racism, sexism, classism, all those things are real. And yet, what a difference it can make when we have people in our corner who are mentors, sponsors, parents, guidance counselors who believe in us. And so we have to be very selective about whose voice we're giving priority in our lives. Because they're always going to be naysayers. It may unfortunately sometimes have been your parents who said you aren't going to be anything, or it could have been a teacher. And we have to make the decision that I will not believe the report or the predictions of doom over my life. I will not believe it. Yeah. And, and the reason that I wanted to tie that in is because some of those very people are sometimes the ones who keep us from getting the support that we need in our healing. Like they are the people that raised us. They are the people who possibly traumatized us. They are the people who say, no, you don't need therapy. You just need to pray. You don't need therapy. You need to just take a nap, go figure it out. Or you're not depressed. Girl, get on up. These are the same people. And so sometimes it can be confusing how to discern when Mm -hmm. they're right and when they may love us, but they are dead wrong. Absolutely. So a part of it is control because especially the ones who are related to you, their real fear is that you're going to go somewhere and talk about them. So you'll even have people who will say, don't go there telling on me or making me the cause of all your problems because they know they have not treated you well and they don't want anybody else to know it. They want to be the only voice in your ear. The other piece is most of them have never had sessions. So they don't want for you what they've never had because many of them don't even understand what it is. So we have these myths about what is therapy. Some people think it's somebody yelling at you or somebody reading your mind or somebody running your life or somebody who just wants to take your money. And most of those people have never been to therapy. And so they will discourage you from using it because they don't even understand it. So what you can do is, one, recognize the state of their life. Are they looking like what you're trying to follow, wellness and wholeness? And the second piece of it is not every strategy is for every person. Maybe it wasn't for them, but it not being for them doesn't mean that it's not for you. And so we are not clones and you do what works for you. It's not a one size 
it all peace. Because some people, once they finally go, they want everyone to go and they get mad when some people won't go. You go for you and you can mention it to them, but that's, that, that's going to be their choice. You choose wellness for you. You go for you. That's right. <laughs> like you can be an advocate, but you don't get to nag because unfortunately right. that just turns people off. Makes them feel like, why do you want me to go? You know, but I do right. speak about it openly just so that yeah. we, women just know that it's, it's okay, that it's normal, that right. it's healthy. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Many times we are blaming ourselves for things and beating up ourselves over decisions we made. When you look at the totality of your life, it will make sense. When you're like, what was I thinking? Or why did I do that? I promise you there is a setup and there's a reason. So it's not random. There's a re- Even the poor choices we make, there was a preface to that story. So the cha- if we look at the chapters of your life before that moment, you could have more compassion for why you did the things you did and then start to choose differently. Oh, that's such a great point. That's such a great point. I remember when my husband and I first started with our marriage counselor. This is maybe three years ago now. This counselor in particular, he separated us for a period um, and we just talked one on one. And so after just sharing a bunch of stories, you know, kind of going down the rabbit hole eventually, you know, he really opened me up to talk about things that I had forgotten about, quite frankly. And we started talking. And at one point he said, I am so sorry for all the trauma that you have been through. And I was like, trauma? Mm. This is just mm. life. Like, this is just life That's growing right. up as a Belizean girl. In, yeah. mm-hmm. like, yeah. in my mind had ever equated all of these experiences with trauma. Like, it was so normal in the environment mm-hmm. that I was in that mm-hmm. no one mm-hmm. ever you know, made a big deal about it. It was the norm. And so when right. he called it trauma, that was the mm. beginning of me being able to, your point, really show myself right. compassion for yeah. things that I would deem as mistakes because it's like, of course you did that. You didn't just pull that right. out your butt. Like you wouldn't yeah. know where to get that yeah. from. That was the byproduct right. of this, this, and this. And that was truly... Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've been through therapy for years. I started when I was in my early twenties, but that was the beginning of me just understanding, like, and just being able to forgive myself for some of the things yeah. that I've done. Those things that I would, if someone would have asked me before the time I started that therapy, I would have called them my biggest regrets, if you will. And now I'm kind mm-hmm. of like, I mean, if I had the choice, would I have chosen things differently, mm-hmm. knowing what I know today? Yeah, but they've also. Mm-hmm shaped who I am and why I do have the compassion for people that I do. Because sometimes I yeah. can, even the people who you said something really key um, when you were speaking, you talked about the ability to fly under the radar. And you said, once people mm-hmm. understand your gift, they'll come for you. And mm-hmm. last year, I was going through so much with kind of being attacked in social media, attacked online. And I started to look mm-hmm. at those people. I did an episode called Bless Thy Enemy. And the thing Mm. was, I started to have such compassion because I was like, Mm. I know how I was showing up when I didn't recognize Mm. this type of behavior was not normal and and wasn't. I'm like, the fact that you're still doing these types of things, I'm Mm -hmm. mad at you. I feel bad for you. I have compassion for you, but I couldn't have developed that until I recognized my own stuff. Now I can, I can have compassion for other people. 
Right, right. And that you are consuming their thought life, right? That they're monitoring you when you weren't even monitoring them. So some people specialize in purpose and gift and calling, and some people specialize in monitoring and critiquing. Mm. So that's the closest they can get to greatness is to critique a great woman. Oh, wait a minute, Dr. Tammy, you got to say that again. I might have to put this on a t-shirt. Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) The closest can get to greatness is to critique a great woman. That's powerful. Yeah, because it's like you you weren't even paying attention to what they're doing because you have your mind on purpose. Mm-hmm. So it's like people have to decide, are you focused on purpose or people? Oh, you're either focused on purpose or people. Yeah, because I would say, mm-hmm. first of all, your little comment was up for hours because I'm booked and busy. So I'm not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> to my social media like that waiting right. for to come in and swoop in and say something nasty or rude like right. you yeah. know meanwhile you're probably checking it over and over again to see if I've responded or deleted and I'm I'm gonna right. do either I don't I didn't even write them I'm like because that would make you feel like mm-hmm. you were getting some type of attention that I can't give you right. you need Jesus yeah. therapy <laughs> right. That's exactly. Those two. That's that's another T-shirt. You need Jesus and therapy. <laughs> and therapy. If anyone makes that, just send us one. We just want it. I don't know if I'll do it, but just you know, yeah, let us have one. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I love too is that you said your destiny is greater than your circumstance. That your mom mm-hmm. in in yeah. a moment where you really needed it. Can we just start winding down with just that reminder? Because again, I know so many of us are out here setting these lofty New Year's resolutions, but I know that also we're setting these huge goals and we may feel, Dr. Tama, like I'm going to set this, but I'm not really there yet, or I'm not really ready, or I'm not in the Mm -hmm. mood, I don't don't have everything it takes. But kind of talk about just how we can actually get the results that we want, even if we're not in the best place possible at the moment that we're listening to this episode. Yes. So I would say to you, you are not stuck, that there is an unfolding that happens in our lives. And at certain points, you start to see that what you're calling a detour or a stuck season or a storm is all a part of the unfolding. And while it may not have all been divinely sent, it can be divinely used. And so even your down and difficult periods, as you were sharing your testimony, as a result of some of the bad choices you made, you can have compassion for people when they're making some bad choices. And so the wounds that we have, we can pull the wisdom out of them while not letting it define you. Our traumas affect us, but they are not the sum total of our identity nor our destiny. And so what you want to start having in your mind is an appreciation of the process instead of impatience. Because Mm -hmm. when you think something is happening, there is plenty that is happening. Some of it is you're being protected from some doors that you knocked on and you don't really know what's on the other side of that door. And you're saying what's taking so long, but you are being protected. The other thing is you're being prepared. 
because some of us launch when we're not ready. And a lot of churches like to say, I pray God give you a blessing you're not qualified for. Well, that's not my prayer for you because that's a setup for failure. So instead, allow the preparation period to happen so that when you launch, and for many of us, when you relaunch, because there'll be many launches in your life, that you will actually be ready spiritually, emotionally, financially. And so start to operate in gratitude for this preparation and protection period so that you'll know time has not been wasted. So even if you find yourself on what you're calling a dead-end job or in a dead-end relationship, I want you to know that the years were not wasted, that all of it will be able to be used for your good. Pull the lesson out of it. And when you get in the next job or the next relationship, you won't have to repeat some of the things that you endured. And you'll understand some things that you could not have understood before the lesson. And so it's not wasted. You're going somewhere. And so enjoy the journey. (laughs) I am so full from this conversation Mm. and already so excited for the breakthroughs that are going to happen this year because of this word coming like Mm -hmm. at this time listening to you and even just this last part about self-protection and preparation man it's like I can just see Mm -hmm. the chains in my mind's eye falling off of people I can just Mm -hmm. see it I can just see it I just I claim it I just feel it like man what a powerful word oh my gosh we we Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is but I know that that was definitely a divine connection, even having the opportunity to sit next to you. Cause we sure were not in order. Yeah. We're supposed to be at the end of the table. So divine setup. Mm-hmm. Mm, so divine. Before I let you go, Dr. Tama, what I do at the end yeah. is called redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. And I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you questions and we just want you to tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. First one, how do you define success? Fulfillment of every gift that is within you. Yes. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Abundance holistically. Mm, Yes. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? I dance with God. By my mother, Reverend Cecilia Williams Bryant. I loved it. And why did you choose that book? Because we often read books that are outside of our experience and try to make a roadmap or a template work that was not intended for us. And the book starts from a spiritual foundation of recognizing our divine sacred identity as women of African descent. And I think you have to be in touch with your sacred identity in order to prosper. Mm. Come on, Dr. Tama. Yes. (laughs) Okay. This is the last one. Fill in the blank. My name is, and the truth about wealth is. My name is Dr. Tama. And the truth about wealth is it starts with wellness within. Yes, it does. That's the whole foundation of redefining wealth. Oh, Dr. Tama, you're 
such a blessing. Thank you so much for just helping us jumpstart our 2019 the right way. I appreciate you so much. And I look forward to doing many more collaborations in some form or fashion. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I am excited for the praise reports and the fruits that will come, the results that will come as a result of your ministry. And so I look forward to more time with you in the future. Okay, didn't I tell you? This is one for the books. This is one you are going to need to come back to several times in 2019. Man, Dr. Tama is so powerful, so powerful. And I think for me, the number one things that I'm taking away is that busy does not mean healed and busy does not mean whole. So many of us are making an excuse about why we can't face and fix things because we're busy. But at the end of the day, you guys, we're not really thriving. If you are okay with continuing to suffer in silence, you are truly not living the life that you are meant to live, the life that you deserved. And one of the big takeaways for me as well was just that I was raised by women, by strong Caribbean women who didn't have the luxury of healing. They didn't have the luxury of healing. And just in this last week where I've been spending even more time with my mom and taking care of my mom and thinking about my grandmother and how she showed up at different points in my life, I realized that my grandmother was so much younger than I thought she was at the time. But a lot of that was just the wear and tear and the hard work and taking three buses to get to a job and doing so much alone. And when I thought my grandmother was 70, she was in her 50s. And I thought she was in her 70s. And when Dr. Tama said, you're raised by people who didn't have the luxury of healing, man, did that stand out to me. And I've had to realize at different points in my life, again, that I was showing up in a way like my mom or my grandma, but they didn't have the capacity to live the life that I live today. And so I don't have to repeat some of those behaviors and some of those ways of being because that's just really not my reality. And so as you look at who you're becoming for 2019, please take what Dr. Tama has said to heart. Please take it to heart. Please be willing to face and fix some of this stuff because you don't want your wounds to keep damaging your ability to truly walk in your gifts. You just, you want to go ahead and heal it, heal it up and get it taken care of because so much of what we think we want and who we're supposed to be is is really wrapped up in these things that we're not even aware of. And if you are new to Redefining Wealth, please go back. Make sure you understand that the reason I started with Dr. Tama is because she fits into our fit pillar. And our fit pillar is not just about being physically fit, but being mentally fit. And I truly believe that where a lot of people think, well, if I get another raise or promotion or make more money, my life will be better. It doesn't always pan out that way because the truth is, There's some things that mentally you have to deal with in order to truly experience the fullness of that raise, that promotion, the more money and everything else. If not, you'll continue to self-sabotage. And this is really important, really important to consider. So shout out to Dr. Tama. Please go show her some love in social media. All of her links will be in the show notes. 
Dr. Tama, if you are listening, you did your thing and I appreciate you so much. Thank you for kicking off 2019 in such a powerful way. I will be back next week with part two of the Results Not Resolution series. You don't want to miss it. We're going to go into the people pillar and really talk about how you can make some progress there on who you need to become. And I just, again, I appreciate you guys so much for the love. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.